Welcome, all you commanders, eagles, and angels. We welcome you to Tara and Rama's Hard News on Friday night on BBS Radio Station 1. So thank you for joining us here tonight. This is Rainbird, and I'm pleased to welcome you. We'd like to take a few minutes to just get into the heart space and into the <clears throat> the feeling of the evening as we... <laughs> As we center ourselves, let us go into that heart space using those three gentle breaths or however many you want, whatever protocol you like to use. I'd like to do that breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth gently and slowly. So let's do that. And I hear that calling drum calling us to gather around. So as we take these breaths, let go of that dross of the day, go into that heart space, and gather around with your guides and guardians, your spirit teams, your healing teams, your ancestors, and 
of those ones you like to journey with the king you run with. And there's a council fire. And it's in the center. So come round. Come in close. Let's circle around that council fire. In that virtual way we knew how to do. As we call in these seven galactic directions in the Mayan tradition. From the east, the house of light. May wisdom open in the dawn that is upon us so that we may see things clearly. We welcome from the north, the house of night. May wisdom mature among us so that we may see everything from within. We greet from the West, the house of transformation. May wisdom be transformed into right action so that we may accomplish what must be done. We greet from the South, House of the Eternal Sun. May right action reap the harvest so we might enjoy the fruits of the planetary being. Let us greet from above the house of paradise, where the star people and the ancestors gather. May their blessings reach us now. And we welcome from below the house of the earth. May the beating of the crystal planet's heart bless us with its harmony so that we might end war. We welcome from the center, source of the galaxy, which is everywhere at once. May everything be recognized as the light of mutual love. Ayun, Hunaku, even Maya, even Ho. Ayun, Hunaku, even Maya, even Ho. Ayun, Hunaku, even Maya, even Ho. Meaning all hail the harmony of mind and nature.
Kakriyasi, all my relations. In Lakesh, I am another you, you are another me. Yeah, just stay wherever that heart drumbeat took you as we take a few moments to look at the mind record of days for today and the week ahead. Um, <clears throat> so what is today? Oh, it's a, a four of the yellow self-existing human and uh, Kin number 212, we are in the wave of the look, which is the year we're also in. That's the wave of the moon. So this is a period of purification. Look is the moon. So we're purifying with that moon energy this entire wave. And we're on the fourth tone of it. That's the self-existing tone. And so we are the self-existing human today. So here's the affirmation. Well, let's look at the <clears throat> self-existing tone. That's three words are measure, form, and definition. And the human is ebb. So it's influence, wisdom, and free will are three descriptive words. And for that, we form the mantra for the day. I define in order to influence, measuring wisdom. I feel the process of free will with the self-existing tone of form. I am guided by the power of elegance, which star glyph is elegance. It is the star, the mat. So there you go, that's elegance. So the ally today is Monique, the blue hand. And our challenge teacher today is the white dog. Ish, or I mean, Ak, excuse me, and then the occult teacher or guide for the day is Maluk. So we're, we've got lots of moon energy going on with that Maluk. So it's all about that purification and the red moon. So that's what's happening to today. And let's look at that just a little bit closer at this ebb human energy it is um, a healing aspect and it's about the enlightenment of humankind and we work with activating cosmic consciousness with this energy and as we attune to spirit and and make that alignment (laughs) perfect day for that so beautiful gifts of being that human servant warrior and and uh, having that abundance and abundance in our lives in so many ways. And we have that gift of having contact with other dimensions as well with this energy. So let's let go of any dependence on the analytical mind as we embrace these energies today. And uh, then moving on to Saturday, it's a five bin which is the <clears throat> red overtone Skywalker. Man is a Skywalker. It's a warrior aspect. And so we're working with a focus. We're working with striving towards self-illumination and clarity. 
So let's embrace these gifts that the Skywalker brings us, the strength and that ability to bend dimensions and let go of any resistance to faith or any belief in aloneness as we do this. Embrace these uh, energies tomorrow on Saturday as we meet again. <laughs> and then on Sunday, it's that six tone, the rhythmic tone with the magician. So it's the, the <clears throat> white rhythmic magician, which is a visionary aspect. Ish is the magician. So we're looking at this for illumination for others, and we're looking for clarity of mind and purpose as we go about our business. Let's embrace these gifts of that shaman energy, that jaguar medicine, being that jaguar priestess, and and working with integrity and working in accordance with divine will with these energies on Sunday. I have that right. Yeah, that's Sunday. <laughs> My page is all mixed up. So, yeah, let go of any control or personal power issues or any manipulation as we embrace these energies on Sunday. And then moving on to Monday, it's the seven men, the <clears throat> blue resonant eagle. And this eagle energy is a visionary aspect. So we're working with our commitment to, to service and moving into consciousness to source. So we reconnect with all creation with this energy and we embrace these gifts of independence and that belief in ourselves that the eagle brings us. And so let's let go of any feelings of despair, any dissociation or any illusion of separateness as we embrace these energies. On Monday, and then on Tuesday, moving right along, it's the Yellow Galactic Warrior Day. And so this warrior aspect is about trusting in our journey and bringing awareness of right action. So we embrace the gifts of that communication with the divine, that access to cosmic consciousness. As we let go of any limitation, any restriction, any hesitation, let's embrace these energies. On Wednesday, no, Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, <laughs> it's the red solar earth. It's a nine caban. And that earth energy is a healing aspect as we are the keeper of the earth. And we <clears throat> stay tuned in to earth energy and, and stay aware of what's going on. Let's embrace these gifts of having that access to planetary harmony. And being that balancing point and working with intention and intuition, use our intuition. So let's let go of any separation, any failure to read signs, any dissociation as we embrace these energies on Wednesday. And then Thursday, we have a portal day. And, oh, well, wait a minute. I want to go back to Wednesday for a minute because that's the winter solstice and I need to point that out. So we have the winter solstice on a red solar earth day. So that nine energy is is really bringing our intentions into action. And um, uh, three threes going on there. So 
and that winter solstice time is is um, is midwinter in the Celtic tradition and the way they look at the seasons. This is midwinter as the winter actually started <clears throat> on November the first. <laughs> but as y'all like to look at it, however you want to, it's gonna in my latitude. It's ten out. The day will be ten hours long. And I was looking at my farmer's almanac to see what other days around the solstice, because I noticed that the solstices are, and the equinox, actually, equinox is less so, but mostly the solstices have a little dance that goes on where they're, um, the shortest day is not necessarily just the day they pick out for the solstice, but, uh, the 21st works, but the 19th is when we also have 10 hours, even 10 hours and zero minutes. And the 21st is the solstice, and it's 10 hours and zero minutes. The 23rd is after the solstice, isn't 10 hours and zero minutes long. And the 25th, Christmas Day, is also 10 hours and zero minutes long. So that shortest day lingers for five days. <laughs> And I just thought I'd point that out. I think it's just interesting. So, um, what else? Yeah, let's go on to Thursday. It, it's a a, nut, a portal day. And, uh, oh, wait a I just did something wrong. Oh, it's the Etsnob. It's, <clears throat> it's the White Mirror. It's and it's a ten, so it's a planetary white mirror on Thursday. And this portal day is about a warrior uh, aspect, and so we're working with that on our groundedness with this energy, and we're working with that wise use of honesty and self-understanding. The mirror always shows us who we are, <laughs> and people are our best mirrors. So let's embrace each gifts of scrying the unseen and fluidity and persistence. If we let go of any illusions of separateness or any fear or any abandonment or any any illusions you can think of, <laughs> let go of those. So that's the energy for Thursday and then Friday when we come back. No, that's Friday. Well, I got this wrong. Hopefully not. All right. So Friday is the new moon and it's Kawak. And that energy is the storm energy. It's a visionary aspect and it's about creating transformation for others. It's lighting clear thought. So we embrace these gifts of that possibility of freedom and that power of catalyzing as we let go of any addiction to crisis, let go of fear, let go of any despair. As we embrace these energies on Friday, we will talk about it some more when we come back. And also on Friday, we will be celebrating the new moon. So at the beginning, as we do all that, letting go of that spectral tone that's with that energy, the spectral tone, that's letting go. And we're having a new moon at the same time. So we got to uh, set our intentions for what's coming in to take the place of what we're letting go. Keep that balance going and, and bring in the new. Uh, so let's do that on Friday, and we'll talk about it some more next week when we come back. And that is the week ahead. So.
So uh, I want to take a few moments to do the housekeeping, so I'm going to change my hat. As we are a listener-supported radio program, it's all of us that make it happen. And we had gotten behind somehow on our radio fees. Each week, we need $300 to cover our expenses, unless we have five weekends in a month. And somehow that makes anything different. I think people that schedule things like rent and stuff, that happens once a month. But this is every week. So every time we meet, we need $300 to cover those three days that we're meeting. Uh, so... <laughs> Here's what we need. We need we're six hundred and fifty dollars behind, and then we need another three hundred dollars for this uh, next coming week. And so let's be generous about uh, our contributions to the radio, as um, radio people have to live and eat and buy food and pay bills and run the equipment. So we like to stay abreast on this situation just as best we can. So. Please be generous. Get into that the giving mood of Christmas brings us, <laughs> and uh, we'll get caught up. And then um, here's how we make that happen. Here's how we access our account with EBS Radio. You do that through clicking on the icons that are on the menu. As you go to the menu for Radio Station One, you'll find this program, The Hard News on Friday Nights with Tara and Rama. And on Thursdays at the 6 o'clock hour, and they're both at the 6 o'clock hour, you'll see the um, A Night at the Roundtable with a panel. That's another one of our shows. So as you click on either one of those icons, that'll take you directly to our account with BBS Radio where you can make a donation in any amount. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for attention to this matter. If you've never donated before, this is a good time to start. This is how we catch up the best is when we all participate. Uh, so we're grateful for these programs each week and the tenacity of, oh, I know, maybe 12 years, I think, now that we've been, I think it was 2009. So this will be 13 years that we've completed as we, we, are, we started in December. So it's been 13 years we've been doing this with BBS Radio. So thank you for keeping up the good work. And we are grateful for all of you for for all the ways that you show up in your lives. And thank you for joining us here and participating in that way. Um, if you want to access the Saturday program, it's on Radio Station 2. Those are the other two are Radio Station 1, as you know. The Radio Station 2 is the program is the True History History of this era and our galactic origins. And it's at the one thirty hour on Saturdays, and that's another icon you can click on. You can click on all three and donate three times. Just think of the possibilities. <laughs> so anyway, so much gratitude for all of you. And, and, uh, and gratitude for all the people at BBS Radio and all that they do. I know that their birthday, their twins, Don and Doug, that do this, uh, our producers and owners of BBS, and they should have a birthday on Sunday. So let's be generous and see if we can get caught up so they can celebrate in a good way. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. 13 thank yous and honey in the heart. 
So we're also assisting Tara and Rama with their needs. And this week, um, I want to first thank you for your donations that their car uh, was needed repair. And the most dangerous part of the car got fixed. So there was $300 that was available to pay for that. So thank you for donating and making sure they're at least safer on the road. But they still need to buy and do the motor mount job. And that's going to cost another $640 with the labor and parts. Not much parts, mostly labor. Um, so we need $640 still for the auto repair. And then there's only one, the good news, there's only one bill this week, and it's the GEICO bill, and we need $94 and some change for that. So, yeah, 100 bucks to come in for that bill would be great. And um, and then Tyron and Robin need about $250 for their living expenses so they can take care of the nitty-gritty of life as it comes to them, right? <laughs> so lots of gratitude for all your generosity and your donations and and dedication to to what we do here on these calls each and every week. We're, we are grateful for your participation and, and what our mission is as we bring peace on earth and heaven to earth, earth and heaven. And, um, yeah, the work we do, our mission. So, <laughs> uh, here's how we make a donation to Tara Rama. You want to access Rama's PayPal account or the PayPal account for Rainbow Roundtable. So, the PayPal account for Rainbow Roundtable is accessed through the website, which is rainbowroundtable.net. And there on the homepage, click on that menu grid. List will drop down and the donate button link is near the bottom of that list. Click on that, and that takes you to the Rainbow Roundtable um, PayPal account. And you can make a donation there in any amount. And alternatively, if you would like to access the Friends option, you do that by going into PayPal at paypal.com and select the gifting option to put in the email for who you're gifting to. It would be Rama and that address. Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999, at hotmail.com. Just put that in there, and that just takes care of the um, some of the commercial charges, so your money goes a little further that way. Either way is perfect. We're grateful for your participation in all, all that you do and all the ways you show up. So... Um, as you're sending something, please let Rama know that you're sending something in that Rama. Rama's email for that is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 999-39 at Comcast.net. And, um, let's see. Oh, yeah, as you're sending something and you need the physical address, it is as follows. Rom D. Berkowitz, R-A-M-D Berkowitz, B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z, Post Office Box 280-280. And that's in Santa Cruz, New Mexico, where the zip code is 87567. And I'll repeat it. Santa Cruz, New Mexico, 87567. 
again, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do, and thank you for your your gifts, your donations, and and uh, yeah, being with us each week. So lots of gratitude. And maybe you're just visiting <laughs> and found us on the radio. Either way, uh, we're grateful that you're here. So 13 thank yous and honey in the heart. Long life, no evil. And I'm passing this talking stick. And it's full of wintry solstice celebrations. So I'm seeing all kinds of offerings to the the snow people. And I'm seeing snowmen. And I'm seeing lots of sparkles in the snow and the ice. And I'm seeing all kinds of little people. And, and the gnomes and the undying just out and the salamanders and the hobbits and the menahunis. The greetings. Tar and Rama, here comes this talking stick. Lots of fairies and feathers. Okay. Greetings. Greetings. Thank you so much, Rainbird. Thank you. Um, Thank you, everyone. Yeah. We are so grateful. <laughs> yes. Um, and the challenges are our middle names at the moment, all of us. Change is... And change is... Also, our middle names. <laughs> yes. And the power of the positive thought. And I'm just saying uh, our hearts are open. I know I can see all of our hearts are open. Yes. And good job, everyone, every single person. Good, bad, and ugly. Good job. Um, uh, and we're getting a lesson now. All of us are being shown how the higher forces of light do it. Wouldn't you say so, Mama? Yes. Uh, and uh, especially talking about the galactic forces of light coming in and it being a collective experience that yes that's what's happening and yes that's who's on the TV screen and yes this is where these characters are going for uh, uh, a war crimes tribunal not on earth but at Dracos before King Dracos and his daughter Princess Sardala to be held for not only crimes against humanity here on the earth plane, but intergalactic war crimes, which is something that's, that's been going on. And so uh, uh, it's time to be excited. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger's got a whole new, new mission. <laughs> you want to say any more, Rama? What do you want to say about what you learned today? Oh, I talked to Mr. X today, and he basically said that the entire media 
aside from RT, are lying through their teeth about what is going on in Ukraine and Russia and basically making out Mr. Putin as the evil Lord Vader. Yet it is our empire that has that. that is the crux of the matter. This is why Abby Martin and her husband all the time are calling these folks out. Yes, and what's going on is um, the Empire's pushing for a really huge false, false flag event. They want a nuclear confrontation, as Daniel Ellsberg said on Amy's show yesterday. Yeah, they want to get right to or the... Or the day before, maybe. Yeah, to the DEFCON 1 and try to scare the heaven out of everyone and I keep being told... What, what exactly does DEFCON 1 mean in terms of time, Ronald? Uh, what it means is that essentially the hologram Joe Biden is getting on the phone with Mr. Putin on the supposed red line that... The fake Putin. Fake Putin. And they're talking on the red line like you've seen in the ancient war movies about a nuclear confrontation. And Astar is here, yet they're not going to tell me dates or times, yet they are telling me the time is now because this is serious stuff. In this sense of every day, Ukraine is killing its own citizens and blaming it on Russia every single day and we are sending I mean an endless supply of technology of death to Ukraine and it's really bizarre to listen to the media here in the US who are programmed like a Abby Martin talks about. They are taught how to talk, how to direct the narrative to twist the mind from the heart. And Amy Goodman does it too. And it's... In other words, she's having to toe the line to the Koch brothers. Because yeah, her program the is one on... Koch brother. Yeah. This is the one now. But there's a couple other ones that are in the background, and there's one that's over the rainbow. Um, but the, the deal is is that they are making it up on both sides. Yes. And um, we get to report um, about it with neutral, with an undivided attention and focus on the knowledge of the truth and and the delivery from an unconditional divine neutrality in our hearts. Uh, and that's a little more challenging than one might think these days. It is indeed. And it's being done without violence, none, no violence. That would just make everything crash. Uh, you know, uh, keep your 
friends close and keep your enemies even closer. And the hard part is keeping your enemies even closer. And uh, so it's that's a very important time. And then you said, yet, or not you, Mr. X said, um, they would like to blame Putin for it, yet at this moment, our skies are filled with trillions of galactic forces of light. Yes. And the return of the Christ light in magnitudinous force is at hand. So Captain Ashtar's here. No dates, no nukes. The time is now. We have some papers to go over with you. See you soon. Yeah, I All we are just saying is give peace a chance. Think about those papers and months of studying. And well, you can consult with the people that already did those months of studying, and you got and yeah. the the trust indentures are much more um, clear for people now. Yes, and you'll be guided, and we'll be guided, Rama. Everybody will. Yes. It will take a full year for the entire world to go through these processes. Uh, and for them, to, uh, it won't be done then, but they will have received and begun. Uh, and the first four countries to receive their papers are the United States, the UK, uh, Canada, and Australia. Those are the first four. And there are books in Australia coming out and just saying that the pandemic was just that, a pandemic. Premeditative mass genocide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's. And then there's the balance on that because the ones that went over the rainbow, they had a choice to come in and face that um, that peace and um, revenge is, of the Sith is not an answer it's not a solution no it's not never was and uh, the uh, the rulers of the world who have been as the song goes as they fuss and fight they don't want to give this up and they will just nitpick and they'll create another diversion here and another one there Oh, Rama, you got to say to the people what uh, what was said uh, by, uh, was it your friend here that said it, about what's going on in Iran? Yeah, Mr. X said that there is a huge revolution brewing in Iran, and the, the young people who are connected right now in Iran, are part of the Rainbow Crystal, Diamond Crystal children who are coming in now, and their solution is not violence, and not, you know, bowing your will to false gods that are not based in love. And the way Mr. X put it is, there are more people in Iran who want the old story gone than 
the Revolutionary Guard and the so-called Ayatollahs and Mullahs. There are more people. And the morality police that are doing their bidding. And let's say the more of us overwhelms the few. And it's not done by violence. It's done by speaking truth to power. And there are some that are going to challenge some in Iran to the point where there will be confrontations. Mr. X said that, you know, it's already happening. And at the same... At a higher level, you mean? Yeah. In other words, the uh, regime was on its way out. And it's tied in with our... Special Forces, i.e. CIA, DIA, NSA, who are all broke. They don't have any money to keep their operations going around the planet. Their script is losing dollars by the hour. Their script? What do you mean? The um, fake money, you know, the... You mean the representative of the dollar, you mean? Yeah, the fiat It's losing its value, you mean? Yes. That's what that means when inflation, but it's been done on purpose. And I actually, out of the blue today, I saw one of the, um, oh, it's like a Brinks truck guy, and he comes and takes the money from the stores and delivers the money to the stores. And these guys got guns on both hips and, you know, are dressed like the soldiers in Iraq. And That's when you were working at Roland's Pizza Place, too. Yeah, but I just I saw one of these Brinks trucks characters today, and I asked him out of the blue, I said, do you know about the rainbow money? That's about to happen. He said, I know all about it. I can't talk about it. Have a nice day, sir. <laughs> That's all he said. They didn't know you. No, I never met this guy from, you know, this was the first time I ever saw this character. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he knows what to say because he's probably been approached by many yeah. others with the same thing who know, too, that, you know. Yeah. You can't fool me anymore. No. <laughs> it's a good time. And, uh, I mean, you told me that Mr. X said they will not get to uh, get what they want. You know, yes, DW News said that. Um, yeah, they want to execute 14,000 people in Iran. And Mr. X said. Good luck trying to do that because the overwhelming support for freedom is going to take down the old guard who is tied in with these satanic worshippers that are tied in with the 13 families that, you know, swear their allegiance to the ABC agencies not to the office of the Christ. I also think we could read what we didn't get read yesterday on the show. Uh, Rama read 
Oops. Friday and Monday and Tuesday, and this is Wednesday, last Wednesday, I received a text message from the poppy lady at 2.25 p.m. mid-afternoon. And then she said to me, Lord Rama, I am on my way to Mount Kailash with Fingdel Noor, uh, my uh, Sasquatch friend. And we're going to visit her family for Christmas. And the biggest news I can tell you today, Lord Rama, everybody can hear us all this time. That heater is going because it's getting really cold. Um, we are very close. Uh, let's see. The biggest news I can tell you today Lord Rama is what Dr. Daniel Ellsberg said on Democracy Now! That was Wednesday, yeah, when he said that. And uh, we are very close to a nuclear confrontation with Russia. That's what Daniel Ellsberg said. And Daniel Ellsberg leaked the Pentagon Papers for folks who don't know about this or are too young to remember tell people what the Pentagon Papers were the Pentagon Papers were exposing the United States connected with Vietnam and the war crimes that were going on right and Daniel which is no different because he was talking about it's no different than what um, Julian. Julian Assange did Yes. And that's the job of a journalist anyway. So he's being, you know, tortured in that mega prison over there for doing his job. I take that, what uh, Omina said, that in the past Julian has done the same thing in different setting, And so he's kind of leveling, leveling the playing field playing field out personally and that's okay but the karma situation that's already over and that had something to do with the third dimensional timeline being linear and that's ended on the planet of course waking up to that being the truth and understanding the depth of the meaning of that and discipline and and working with love and the power of the positive thought all of those things even a smaller group of us can actually um, change the world as Margaret Mead said so to finish with this then I can tell you Lord Rama there will be no nuclear war there are millions and trillions of galactic forces here and this is the reason because if we sent this planet supernova we would cause so many gazillions of people to die on other planets and other star systems. It would interrupt zillions of human beings. This is what happened 26,000 years ago or more when Maldek went supernova, the planet between Mars and Jupiter. And we're not going to do that again. It's just, it's a law of the universe. Yeah. And so it is. So one more quick thing is uh, we have got to go. 
I received a text. This is for, for, for yesterday. I received a text message from Lady Natasha today at 12.38 p.m. this afternoon. She said to me, Lord Rama, the Putin lookalike gave a speech today, yesterday. It was all about doing business with China, South America, Cuba, the Caribbean islands, Africa, and they he completely avoided uh, any reference to the West. All of this talk is about the look-alike Putin's controllers, the empire's oligarchs. I will say it again, the galactic forces are here, no dates yet, the time is now. Stay in the vibrations of the office of the Christ at this time. The solar flares have massively increased and will continue to do so. World peace now, Nasara now, Nasatnam, Namaste, and blaze the fire with fire. And what's the phone number for going to the conference, Rama? Um, 720-716-7301. And the PIN code? 353-863-POUND. So we will see you there to continue a wonderful conversation with one another. And we'll be right back here at the top of the next hour at BBS Radio, best radio there is in the universe. Satnam for now. See you on the conference.
precious heart, thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog. Today I'm going to share information from the company of heaven that is designed to awaken within the divinity of your heart flame the truth about what it means to all of us for our mother God to at long last be balanced within our heart flames. This adjustment within the heart flame of every person on earth is in the process of making life-transforming differences in the lives of humanity, the elemental kingdom, and Mother Earth. In addition to the fact that her unfathomable comprehensive divine love is now forming with every breath we take, the very foundation for the patterns of perfection that will manifest on the new earth. She is transfiguring our lives in myriad other ways. Most importantly, she is assisting our I am presence to reverse the horrific effects of our fall from grace. In the beginning, when we were first breathed forth from the core of creation, our Father Mother God anchored the perfect balance of the Divine Masculine and the Divine Feminine within each of us. First, our Father God anchored the Divine Masculine within the left hemisphere of our brain. This aspect of our Father God manifests as a sapphire blue ray of light that pulsates with the Divine Masculine qualities of God's will, power, illumined faith, protection, and God's first cause of perfection. After our Father God's blue ray of light activated our rational, logical left brain hemisphere, it awakened the power center within our throat chakra. Then this light was anchored in the divinity of our heart as a powerful blue plume of sacred fire. Next, our Mother God anchored the Divine Feminine within the right hemisphere of our brain. This aspect of our Mother God manifests as a crystalline pink ray of light that pulsates with the feminine qualities of divine love, oneness, reverence for life, and the sacred fire breath of the Holy Spirit. After our Mother God's pink ray of light activated our creative, intuitive right brain hemisphere, it awakened the love center within our heart chakra. Then this ray of light was anchored in the divinity of our heart as a powerful pink plume of sacred fire. Once the blue flame of our Father God's power and the pink flame of our Mother God's love were perfectly balanced in the right and left hemispheres of our brain and the divinity of our heart, the two flames merged into a magnificent violet flame. This violet flame then blazed up from our heart into our physical brain structure activating our spiritual brain centers. 
These centers are associated with our pineal, pituitary, and hypothalamus glands, and the ganglionic center at the base of our brain. Once the activation of our spiritual brain centers was complete, our crown chakra on the top of our head opened to full breath. This allowed the enlightened consciousness of our I am presence to begin flowing through our pineal gland into our mental and emotional bodies. Within the enlightened state of our I am presence, we, as sons and daughters of God, were fully aware of our Father, Mother, God and the company of heaven. We could easily communicate with these beings of light through open heart and mind telepathic communication. The enlightened consciousness of our I am presence is our divine birthright as sons and daughters of God. It manifests as a yellow gold ray of light that pulsates with the divine qualities of enlightenment, wisdom, illumination, and understanding. Once our crown chakra was open to full breath, we began to receive the flow of enlightened consciousness from our I am presence. That ray of light anchored in the divinity of our heart as a powerful yellow gold plume of sacred fire. That event completed the physical manifestation of our heart flame which is known through all creation as our immortal, victorious, threefold flame. The enlightened consciousness of our I am presence is the awakened state of awareness that our Father, Mother, God invested us with in the beginning. The original divine plan was for the sons and daughters of God to remain in this elevated state of consciousness while receiving guidance from the company of heaven that would teach us how to become co-creators with our Father, Mother, God. The goal was for us to learn how to use our life force, our free will, and our creative faculties of thought and feeling to create new patterns of divine love, peace, abundance, harmony, balance, happiness, abounding joy, and every other expression of divinity within the causal body of God. The divine intent of this earthly schoolroom was for the sons and daughters of God to learn how to expand the borders of the kingdom of heaven on earth. With every thought, feeling, word and action we expressed. To maintain the purity of that divine purpose, our Father Mother God gave us one admonition. Do not partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The company of heaven said this meant for the sons and daughters of God to not use our free will to express thoughts, feelings, words, and actions 
that were not based in love. Unfortunately, there was a point in time when the sons and daughters of God did make the free will choice to experiment with our life force by empowering thoughts and feelings that were not based in love. Once we made that horrific decision, we began to experience for the first time the painful effects of our actions. We became frightened and thought that maybe we could eliminate our suffering by closing our heart chakra and blocking our ability to feel pain. Our heart chakra is the portal through which the love of our mother God enters the physical plane. Once we chose to close our heart chakra, which blocked the flow of our mother God's love, she was forced to withdraw. The company of heaven said the fateful decision to close our heart chakra is the event that is overwhelmingly responsible for our fall from grace and the imbalance between men and women that we are experiencing to this very day. The infinitesimal amount of divine love our mother God was able to project through our right brain hemisphere after we closed our heart chakra was barely enough to sustain brain consciousness. This caused our right brain to become almost dormant and our spiritual brain centers to atrophy. In turn, our crown chakra closed, and we lost our enlightened consciousness. This prevented us from communicating with our I am presence, our Father, Mother, God, and the company of heaven. After the fall, without the enlightened consciousness of our I am presence, we started to believe that the physical plane is our only reality and that all we are is our physical body. With that distorted perception, we developed a fragmented and fear-based lower human ego. Without the balance of our mother God's love, our ego began abusing our masculine power. When we were in male bodies, our ego abused our power by being violent and aggressive. When we were in female bodies, our ego abused our power by suppressing it and allowing ourselves to be dominated and oppressed. We can see evidence of these negative behavior patterns to this very day. Our human ego developed the erroneous belief that its sole purpose was to gratify our physical senses. So it decided that whatever it needed to do to accomplish that goal would be just fine. (laughs) This self-serving decision gave our ego permission to lie, cheat, steal, and kill to get whatever it wanted. Mm. For eons of time, our fragmented and fear-based human ego has controlled and manipulated us by blocking our awareness of our mother God. Mm. 
Our ego even convinced us that as children of God, we had a single parent and that our only parent was our masculine father, God. Mm -hmm. Well, what child is ever born without a father and a mother? The universal law is as above, so below. Our mother God's comprehensive divine love, which is now freely flowing through our right brain hemisphere and our heart flame, is the foundation of all existing things. And it is the purest essence from which all physical manifestations are brought into form. Our mother God's comprehensive divine love is embracing each of us and we are being lifted up and freed from the illusions of our painful human miscreations. Day by day, as we assimilate the comprehensive divine love of our mother God, we are becoming conscious, empowered, and self-generating centers of light. Our mother God is now able to respond to humanity's heartfelt pleas in new and profound ways. She is helping our I am presence in new ways to remove the shackles of limitation and the shadows of our miscreations that have blocked the light and enshrouded us in darkness for eons of time. With the opening of the portal of the holy breath of God and the influx of our mother God's comprehensive divine love, the divine masculine and the divine feminine are finally fully balanced within every person's physical brain structure and heart flame. Dear one, pay attention. And day by day, you are going to witness and experience evidence of the fact that our mother God has fully returned and is now balanced within every heart flame. Please take this information into the divinity of your heart and your I am presence will help you to comprehend the full significance of what the return of our mother God means to you and all life evolving on this sweet earth. God bless you, dear one. I look forward to being with you next week. I am Cryon of Magnetic Service. Again, we are here in a way that may seem strange to many. I want you to get used to hearing this voice.
want you to understand the reality that is here. You would ask yourself, human being, is this real? You might say, crying, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing. Believing that you're really channeling and the, that the voice comes from the other side of the veil is just, it's so difficult. If that's what you're saying today, human being, I will say, blessed are you. For these are honest words coming from one who is struggling to work out of the three-dimensional box. And what happens is that slowly, if you ask the right questions of your own self, of your own belief, of your own psyche, you start getting shown things you didn't expect. For if indeed it is a quantum experience on the other side of the veil, if indeed I am linearizing this conversation and presenting it to my partner, if this is true, this is a quantum experience. And that means that language is only a small part of it. That the audio that you would hear or the words that are seen on the page, such a small part of it. We have spoken of something called the third language. This third language identified some time ago is not a language in linearity, which is the third one. It is a language of the catalyst of the three. We use the three in numerology to represent a catalytic action number. That is to say that all of you have the ability to receive what is being given at a level which is quantum and not language, and not words on a page. Even the reader of this particular message can ask for a quantum experience and be in the session with those who are in the session. <laughs> Art and music, we've told you that they are quantum. We have told you how you can go into the Louvre and watch a painting. That you can immerse yourself so completely that you can see and feel the artist creating it. That you become one with the creator of the painting. So much is there that is not for the human eye. And this is the one who appreciates the art. Music touches your very soul. All of the notes playing together in unison and harmony. It is one of the only arts where all of that can be presented together and there is no limit to the number of musicians on a stage. But you can't do that with speech, can you? No limit to the number of colors on a palette. You, you can't do that with speech, can you? There's a little bit of quantum in everything, if you look. So look for it here before we start a message that is not going to be a quantum one filled with love necessarily, although it is. <laughs> but we're choosing to do something unusual. We're going to give you some science. We've chosen perhaps an odd place for that. But we haven't, for we think in a quantum way. 
We wanted to come to this place. We want to honor those who built this building. We want to honor the ancestors who are listening. We've come to a very quiet place in the stillness of a Southwest. In order to give a message of, of, of clarity, of purity, so that others will also receive it in that fashion. So it is not about the message at all, is it is about the delivery. It is about the energy of where you sit. It is about the preparation that we give my partner sitting in this place. And so we will. When we give a scientific message, when we give suggestions, I ask my partner to go very slow. Some of this has been revealed to him and some of it has not. I ask him to proceed slowly for it will be seen and read clearly and much will be seen around it. For what follows in this message is not just esoterics. There will be a practicality and there will be physicists looking at it. And that makes my partner nervous. It is not going to be complex. For even the one sitting in the chair who doesn't understand science will still receive what they need to receive through the third language. And will understand why these things are being given. And all through this, the entourage which is poured into this place, which represents the ancestors of all of you, resounds even with the builders of this building, of the consciousness that allowed it to be planned so many years ago, for the display of ceremonies that it has on a regular basis, and what that means to the earth and the land, to continue to hear the ancients giving the sounds that they have given for so long. All of this wrapped into this building, into this place where my partner gives a message of science. Not necessarily a long one, but one which you have to hear. It's about the environment. And let us start with assurance. Let us review one more time that what you're seeing in weather changes on this planet you have not created by yourselves with human effort. <laughs> what you have called global warming is not global warming at all. And I say it again, it is part of a cycle that always was. The North Pole has melted several times and come back several times. It is a waxing and waning. The water evaporation cycle that has been here before, it is here sooner than expected, and that is alarming. If you were to ask Gaia, the actual energy of Gaia right now to come into this place, Gaia would give this message. Humans have not caused this. Could it be any clearer? I give you this information so there would be no alarm sounded 
of things that you would have to change drastically and dramatically. Now, at the same time I would say that, I would say this, there is a mandate to change your energy. What you put into the air is significant for it is a hazard to your health. What you put into the air hurts humanity, not necessarily Gaia. Gaia is more resilient than you think. Gaia adjusts in ways you don't expect. Gaia takes care of Gaia. Clean up the air and you will live longer. And that is one of the subjects of today. It's going to get colder. That's one of the subjects of today. You're going to need more energy. That is the subject of today. And we have given you the steps of creating energy easily. And we've given you advice in the past. And one of them we wish to revisit. For it's time for you to think out of the box of three-dimensional when it comes to some of the things that we have discussed with you. You think in a straight line. You don't think past necessarily certain things that you assume. At the same time I give you this information, I will also tell you that this particular information is already known on the planet. It is the way of it. We do not give you something that has not already occurred to a human being. Free choice is what we have told you is the operative word, even in science. This must have occurred, and a human being must have had a situation where they're actually aware before we will give you a message like this. And the reason we do it is because one human being aware sometimes could do nothing about it. But the thought is given. When these thoughts are given to humanity, they normally land on the planet in more than one place. That is to say, epiphanies of discovery happen all at once, usually three to four times in order to assure that they will not be lost. And so I am going to add this voice. There is tremendous energy available from the earth for free. It is not free energy for you have to build an extractor to get it. But it's everywhere, absolutely everywhere. It is called geothermal energy. And it goes like this. Below your feet, not very far, not really. It's hot. Hot enough for you to drill down and create steam. If you can create steam through natural process of thermal energy of the planet, you can drive turbines and create electricity. That will create heat. There are other ways to create heat as well, using even the geothermal heat itself. You're fond of steam engines, and you've been using them very, very long time, and you continue to. Today's nuclear reactors are simply very, very expensive steam engines. For you heat water, you create steam, and you drive turbines. So we are giving you something to think about for nuclear power, as good as it is, is not clean. There is a side effect. And 
you know what it is. For there are waste products which are dangerous, and you know this. As clean as it is, there is still something you have to dispose of. Geothermal, there is no thing you have to dispose of. But it is dangerous. And now we open the discussion. If you can drill approximately five kilometers down, you will find enough heat. Now, five kilometers to you is not that far in a straight line along the surface of the earth. Many of you walk that distance to school and work. It's not that far. But if you're going to drill down technically, it becomes difficult and dangerous. Not just dangerous for the driller, but dangerous for the planet. On the way down, through the crust of the earth to the five kilometer mark you go through pockets that you might know are there releasing gas perhaps releasing fire perhaps releasing water perhaps if nothing else sometimes you interrupt what we will call the integrity of the lubricant of the shale itself and what I'm saying here is you might even advance the potential of an earthquake all by drilling down only five kilometers. And so I'm going to give you the answer. And now I'm saying, think out of the box. All along, you're thinking that you're going to drill down and put a pipe with water in it. What if I told you, you, you only had to drill down a fraction of that, of that distance and you could find enough heat to boil. And you'd say, impossible. Oh, it exists over the hot spots of the earth, but you might know it doesn't exist in most of the places we're asking you to drill. Well, it will work if you don't use water. It's time to marry the highest technology that you have on the planet with things you didn't expect to marry them with. And this is thinking out of the box. This is becoming a little more quantum, seeing the entire picture instead of just seeing what you think it should be. There are solutions, and you know what they are, and they're elegant, that will boil at a fraction of the temperature that water will. And this is the answer. Learning to use those substances and those fluids and that chemistry into a geothermal machine that doesn't have to drill down five kilometers. How about two? And we tell you this because you're going to need to do this. And if you do it, and if the advice is followed, you'll find that the timing and the synchronicity of discovery is at hand. That is to say, you will understand these things will fall together. You will get the steam engine and it won't take five years to build and it won't be dangerous and you don't have to cover it with a shell. Much easier. It won't build smoke. It won't pollute. And you don't have to worry about being next to it. And it'll drive electricity. And you're going to need to heat homes and businesses. Because eventually... It's going to get cold. 
That's number one. We're going to give you one other invention. Now, this also has been presented on the planet. This has been thought of and not acted upon. This actually is not all that new. But I will tell you that there is a situation at hand where it was inappropriately purchased and pocketed. So I'm going to give it to you so that the public can see it. And anyone with synchronicity who listens to the message and reads the words will understand it. Even you sitting in the chairs will understand it. And the scientists and the physicists will then have to implement it. The resource that this planet is going to need the most. As the population grows, as the weather changes. Is what you probably already have guessed. Fresh water. Already it's becoming scarce. You will notice the snow is falling in the wrong place. <laughs> the reservoirs are built for the old energy with the old weather. The aqueducts are built for the old energy and the old weather and all the snow is falling in the places that are not obtainable for fresh water. And that will be the way of it. As the populations grow, scarce it becomes. And there is one answer. It is a profound way when the earth is mostly water <laughs> to use the sea and the ocean. The ocean, of course, is not fresh water. And so you have to ask how to extract the salt. Desalinization exists today in a very inefficient way. Large amounts of water have to go into vats of containment and sit there. Or large amounts of energy are used to heat the water. In various ways, various attributes, various systems, some of them steam, some of them not, all requiring heat to take out the salt. It takes a long time. It's expensive. It's not efficient. It is not tenable to desalinate for an entire city. Only in places that simply have no fresh water at all is it used. So inefficient is it. Now I'm asking you to think out of the box. And I'm going to give you the answer. My partner, I want you to go slow here. Most of the cities on earth, of all of the countries on earth, the largest ones are on the coasts near the water. This is because over time, those coastal areas were the places where trade could happen with ships and ports. And so you end up with the largest cities being on the ocean. It's a good place to start, is it not? To get water for them from the source which they can simply look at and use. The answer is not that difficult, but it requires something that has not been thought of, really. The highest technology you have today 
has to do with the smallest of the small. You call it nanotechnology. That which is extremely small, even taking form as, as what you would call robots, that could be in, inserted even into the bloodstream, perhaps even to, to seek out and kill disease. That's how small the nanoparticles are. You're making them intelligent through chemistry, through logic, through electronics. And cleverly, you find that they can do many things. Now I'm going to give you a task. You're going to build a desalinization plant where the water never stops flowing, where it can be treated and salt can be removed and a byproduct created that you have no idea about. It never has to rest. It never has to be cooked. There is no heat involved at all. It goes in one end and comes out the other in a steady flow. In one end it's salty, in the other end it's fresh, ready then for purification. And here is the answer. Through nanotechnology, in the first stages of the system with the water flowing, you release enough nanotechnology robots that are assigned to find the salt and attach themselves to it. Except there is a caveat, and that every single robot is magnetic. I am the magnetic master, after all. All of the salt then becomes magnetic. It's not that hard. You have the chemistry for it. You have the nanotechnology. Think out of the box. Think out of the box. Chemist, physicist, you can do it. On to the next stage, flowing into the next part. Tremendous, huge electromagnetics. Pulling the salt out of the water completely and totally because the salt is magnetic. Out it goes. Oversimplified, perhaps. But this is the way of it. No heat involved. Now, the byproduct? You won't believe it. Oh, and it will be controversial when you discover it. Magnetic fields applied to water often creates water that is quite healing. Do you see where this is going? What a device that might be. It will be quantum, you know, because it uses magnetics. And this is what we wanted to give you today. This is what we wanted to have recorded today. In this way, that you might hear it. There is so much more. And just in closing, I will tell you what we see in the future. And we're not going to give you a time frame for there is none. This information I'm about to give you can be two generations away, maybe three. But it all has to do with quantum invention. Physicists, listen, I'm going to give you something you already know is possible. It is another field of science. It flies in the face of everything three-dimensional you've ever learned. Humans are funny. 
even in the highest math and geometry you have, everything is defined in a straight line. Everything defined in a straight line. A circle is an infinite number of straight lines. <laughs> That's funny. It's almost as though a circle didn't exist in nature. And the human has to straight line it for it to exist. Interesting, isn't it? I'm just giving you the bias. Bubbles have always been around. They're beautiful, you know. They're natural, you know. The circle is a natural occurring event in space as well. What you don't know, and you may suspect, gravity and magnetism all bend. They don't go straight. They never have. What about light? It doesn't either when affected by the other two. That ought to tell you something. Nothing is really a straight line at all. The only straight lines around are the brains of the humans. <laughs> You're not using the right kind of math either, and we've told you that. There is an elegance of math that is quantum. And if I begin to tell you about it, even in the simplest terms, it's going to seem overly complex. Quantum math uses something that is going to be discovered and we're going to give it a name and that's going to be influential numbers. Numbers that exist not with empirical values, but with values that are influenced by the numbers around them. Four is not a four. Four is modified because of the numbers that sit next to it. In a formula, in linearity, in counting, each time a formula is manufactured in a quantum state looking for a solution, all of the numbers are modified by the numbers next to them. They're influential numbers. The four is affected by the five. Reduced maybe by the three. And in quantum math, if you use influential numbers, dear ones, it is a beautiful thing when you find out the attributes of them and they are consistent. You will then have the formula for a circle being a whole number, not an irrational number at all. It won't be pi. It'll be pi solved. We ask the physicists to work it backwards if you have to, to get a whole number of pi. That'll give you a hint at what has to be done. Imagine mathematics with influential numbers, where each number is not empirical, but influenced by the one around it. I'm giving you high math now. And here's how it's going to serve you. Because when you start to understand it, you're finally going to understand what I'm going to call the holy grail of physics. <laughs> That's a human term. In your straight line thinking, in your bias, you have all of your 3D formulas, don't you? And when you look at the basis of physics you talk about, 
those things which have mass. And in those things which have mass, you've even figured out atomic structure and density, all those things. And you think they're static, don't you? You think there is a formula that is for everything. If it has so much mass, it weighs so much in a certain atmosphere, a certain gravity. You've got it all figured out. And I will tell you that all of those formulas are 3D. And as soon as you become quantum with them, they all stretch. All this to tell you this, it is possible for you to alter the mass of any object in existence. It doesn't matter how large or small or dense it is. You can alter the mass of it. And you have thought all this time that the formula is static and it is not. In Yugoslavia, there's a workshop. Historic it is for the man who thought out of the box, Tesla. And in that workshop, there are marks on the ceiling for the objects that took off on his workbench and went straight up. Shattered they did, hitting the ceiling they did. Nikolai was frustrated for he had discovered massless objects and didn't know how. He thought out of the box, the only one in existence to ever give you a thought of how alternating current might work. Oh, it's more than 3D, study it. The same applies with numbers. The same applies with mass. And I will tell you that it is accomplished through magnetics. Always has been. And that was the experiment. In Tesla's time, without a computer, without any of the finite instruments you have today to measure what you have, he did it. But he couldn't control it. Frustrated he was. By the way, he's back. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you where. Maybe he will listen to this and know what to do next. Clever it is how magnetic fields must be arranged around other magnetic fields. Even solutions that are magnetized to create fields within fields, sometimes at right angles, sometimes not, to give you a condition that will create a change in mass. None of these things are out of the purview of human development. How long it'll take? We don't know. That's up to you. But do you understand what it will change? That means that the things of science fiction are finally yours. What you call anti-gravity is simply an object without mass. It'll float no matter how big it's doable. It's in all of your science fiction movies. Maybe it's time to implement it. Crying, why do you give us these things? 
And with this we close. <laughs> we want you to stay here. Giving in love. We want you to stay here. And you're not going to have much luck with that. Unless you start thinking quantum. Unless you start accelerating the inventions. And put some of the politics out of the way. For the countries which must do this are the ones that have the highest technical abilities. And they also have the highest influential structures that are in the way of it all. It is time for the population to understand this and turn the physicists loose and not strap them with those things that are difficult with burdens. And maybe you don't know what I speak of, but they do. Because we want you to stay. In the process, there will be life extension. In the process, there will be epiphanies. In the process, you might even find that this message was accurate and true. And then you got a puzzle, don't you? Physicists, if you're listening to this, you got a puzzle. Because who is it who is speaking from the other side of the veil, giving you information that is true and real and scientific? At some level, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to say, it's, it's the piece of you. At some level, you're going to have to admit that the spiritual and the sciences have lied and that the creative energy that created the earth and the magnetics and the gravity and all the things you study is a piece of you. And maybe then you'll open up and the things that you wish to have invented, all you have to do is open the box because you already were there and you helped in their creation. About that one. It all has to do with the puzzle. Is this real or not? We are all servants of peace, indeed. And the circle is unbroken. Greetings, Mother, and Alcyone, in the light light. of the most radiant one.
in the office of the Christ and only in the office of the Christ. We invoke the loving energies of Saint Germain and the violet flame. We ask at this time, Mother, for the light of ten trillion suns to come for that Christ light in all beings to brighten, to vibrate to the heart of all that is in the office of the Christ. Greetings, Mother. Greetings. Greetings, children of Ra. We are in such magnificent times. All the stories coming full circle. Like Cryon said, Tesla's here, Marconi's here, everybody's here. <laughs> All the old stories coming to conclusion here. It's this magnificent time we're in as we use what we got here, the force, these temples of the living radiant energy of all that is there is so much going on in this little sector of the Milky Way galaxy it's all about this moment where the timelines have changed and we all ascend with the mm -hmm. temple. Mm -hmm. It's the whole deal, not just pieces. Mm -hmm. You gotta take it with you. It's Gotta last how long? Hmm. No words. It's these stories of immortals, eternals, celestials. It's all coming to pass right now. As we watch, hmm. our children 
be held to account for the crimes against humanity across this expanse of space-time. There is such radiant energy pouring forth from creator source to this realm at this time. All the events that are unfolding right now are about the ascension which is at hand as the light of ten trillion suns pours in only makes our suns all more bright the white fire core of being. All the strands of light coming in. Lighting up all the cells all the particles. It is as we look with our inner eyes even can see it with the regular eyes of what's pouring in right now from the sun. This particular solar cycle has quite a bit in store for this local sector. All the wisdom, all the mathematical codes that the harmony of the spheres is pouring in at this time. As you speak to the sun, you can hear these radiant harmonies, symphonies of color, light, sound, vibration, the magnetics, like you heard him say, as we learn more about these electromagnetic transducers 
called the Temple of the Living Radiance. This hmm, body, another word for the energies that are coming in, that are lifting us all higher. It is relatively easy to rock as the magnificent radiance of this light pouring in. It awakens within us all the ancient knowledge, wisdom that these cells, particles of living light, living love, have accrued over the eons of time. All the stories are coming forth now how to use this light to heal these temples it is a matter of changing thought form energy right now as this is the realm of effects from the realm of cause it comes in gotta use the right thought processes with a lot of the energies that are going on right now it is quite imperative to stay within the high vibrations of the violet transmuting flame the white fire core of being pouring in all the magnificent colors that make up the rainbow bridge within each color the science of how these various rays of light create a symphony of magnificent beauty, wonder, and peace. There are 
parts of this local galaxy where very soon now the inhabitants will share what they have in terms of the wisdom how to talk to the water all the five elements there is this continuing story that is coming forth right now about the way of the water the bodies bags of water to be blunt yes mom mother um my crayon was saying that the environment's gonna change it's gotta change because of the sun lifting us higher as we want to continue and we mean that in the sense of the word continue in this realm we gotta lift ourselves higher out of the tar pits to make <laughs> it simple the tar pits are the old thought form energies that represent stuck old ideas of what Patty said when we listen to our falling human egos male versus female hmm these old concepts of competition ah oh, gladiator games right now you're seeing it what is this stuff winter time football <clears throat> oh well um we're yes. talking about something more serious uh the fossil fuels have to end uh dr guterres uh the un it does we he, don't need to boil said we got two maybe three years at the most and we've got to be done with the fossil fuel industry and they're not doing anything about it this is where we get to take the prerogative to step in and it's already been talked about we're intervening Dr. Michael Mann said it this morning too. Yes. 
guy who listened to Gaia. Yeah, you can can kind of uh, say something to these galactic ones. You know, the galactics can have a little something to say about it, don't you think? And it is already coming forth. Not from those allegors. Don't listen to the puppets. Gotta get them out of there. Oh, their strings are cut. Yet they... Hmm. Gotta... Cease to continue. How that happens is the light of ten trillion suns coming in. Where the old stories don't fit into the new timelines. You never needed to boil water. With plutonium. No. Rods. Oh, please. This is why, to this day, Leonard Peltier, still sitting, hmm, not been given a pardon. What does that have to do with the nuclear hmm. issue? That fight that occurred there when those FBI agents were killed. There was on the on the uh, Lakota land. Yeah, they blamed it on him, and they were unlawfully the feds on that land trying to find the deposits of uranium. In the Blacklands? Blacklands, yes. Mm. Uranium, part of the violet flame throughout Mother Gaia. It's what makes up the different rays of light that function as a giant machine, if you will, living machine that keeps Gaia functioning within normal parameters. There are other precious minerals on the elemental charts they're not talking about yet. Only heard about them in the comic books. Well, we're going to hear about that idea that came out yesterday that they discovered the most amazing thing about fusion. And we're going to hear from Dr. Greer tomorrow, everybody. He's going to give a little lesson or two about that idea. The best fusion we got is right here called Saul. The sun. I'm behind the sun. Helios and Vesta. The higher aspects of our sun saw. 
it has been said, Helios and Vesta are the godparents of Mother Gaia. Mm-hmm. And how these... Well, they're the sun behind the sun. Yeah. Meaning they're the godparents of our sons all, right? Yes. Yeah. And that radiant light coming in from these beings is changing us and changing this planet. This is why the environment is changing as well. The geoengineering they are doing does have an effect on us and the planet, which is this... We call it the magic dust that is not so magic. Chemtrails, can't blot out the sun, can't make it go away. These ideas of trying to hide our presence in your atmosphere is not working. More and more folks are waking up to the light within them and the light from the sun. It's the whole story. We are ancient sunlight. Always has been plasma, this basic ingredient, blood, hemoglobin, hmm, gold dust. That is the real monoatomic gold, not the chemtrail dust, aluminum particles. <laughs> hmm. Enough said. Better go. Well, Mother, um... Yes. Um... With this 2023... Um... Year. Uh... It's the age of... Alchemy. It is. St. Germain, number seven is divine alchemy. It's time we learn the alchemy of how these temples work where we don't need cell phones to talk to each other. Consciousness to consciousness. It is instant. It's always been here. We simply turn it on. All the wisdom is contained within these cells. 
and it's always been here. This is why this piece of immortality got to stick around. Yeah. It's so simple and at the same time so complex to simply say when you got here and you forgot the ET 101 instruction book oh now it's all here you gotta just listen to the harmony of the spheres as you listen inside here, the heart, it will tell you everything you need to know. Radiant in the light of the most radiant one, Kadosh Kadosh Adonai Sabayot. Kadosh, 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 Adonai, Sabaiot. Kadosh, 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 Adonai, Sabaiot. Iliyahu, Iliyahu, Iliyahu. Yod, hey, Yod, hey. Yava, Adonai, Basu, Baragas. Namaste, Mother. Adonai. Remember who we are. Yes. We shall. Take a little moment here. Everyone. Momentito, everyone. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yes. Where did you go wrong? remember being in this pool of water that was turquoise and it was hot and lots of They reminded me of like pollywogs. <laughs> pollywogs? Swimming around, yeah, in the water. And this turquoise water was lit up from within. I'm not sure if I was in a cenote or where. 
Margie was talking about jelly balls. Yeah. In the pond in Tennessee. Um, did I think this was some kind of lake or something on one of the large motherships in Orvid. And it was just um, unique because the water was hot, not cold. And um, it felt pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure what to say, except just the radiance of what's pouring forth right now. Mm. We're kind of hearing it's going to get pretty chilly here. Yes. I mean, it's going to be eight degrees tonight, so they're going to bring the Arctic cold. Yeah. Uh, up there in Alberta, they've been testing that one out ahead of us, but we will, you know. Thank they, you. They say a cold shower in between hot tubs, hot water, is a good thing. Yeah, it is. In in Sweden, we would go by the uh, Baltic Sea right on the edge of the water, and they had a, a, a sauna, a hot, hot sauna, right on the edge of the water. And we'd get out of there, and we'd jump in the water. Talk about cold. Mm. Ooh, ooh. And how many times did you do that? <laughs> uh, as long as you had time for. Yeah. It actually is pretty, it's a rush. <laughs> it is. All right, everyone, we're going to. We are going to do Amy, and I'm going to just say, you know when things aren't accurate, and turn it around and blaze the violet fire. Uh, Here we go.
Just going to make that correction right there. It's not the Saudi-led war. It's the United States selling the bombs to the Saudis to, and the United States uh, military are refueling the planes over Yemen of the Saudis, and they're dropping the bombs and killing the Yemenis. And without all that uh, little help, they can't do it. Democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. The House of Representatives has passed legislation that would allow Puerto Rico to hold its first ever referendum to decide between statehood independence or independence with free association. The Puerto Rico Status Act was co-sponsored by Congress members Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Nidia Velasquez, two of the four current Puerto Rican members of the U.S. House, and was approved on a vote of 233 to 191. 16 Republicans joined Democrats in support of the bill. This is Congressmember Ocasio-Cortez speaking from the House floor Thursday. Well, Puerto Rico is not the United States' only colony. It is, the, it is its oldest. Today, for the first time in our nation's history, the United States will acknowledge its role as a colonizing force and Puerto Rico status as an extended colony. The Puerto Rico Status Act begins a process for Boricuas to decide their own future. The legislation faces an uphill battle in the Senate where it needs 60 votes to overcome a Republican filibuster. In China, public health officials warn COVID-19 cases are spreading rapidly and show no sign of slowing down after officials in Beijing abandoned their long-standing zero-COVID policy. Researchers estimate some 800 million people in China, or about one-tenth of humanity, could become infected by the coronavirus over the next 90 days. Several models predict more than a half million people could die. China's population remains especially vulnerable to a winter surge because few people have been exposed to the coronavirus. There are also concerns about the effectiveness of China's domestically produced vaccines, which rely on inactivated forms of the virus. It's a technology that's proven to be less protective than the mRNA vaccines widely used elsewhere. The Biden administration's broadened its crackdown on China's semiconductor chip industry on Thursday. The Commerce Department added YMTC and 21 other Chinese chip makers to a trade list, blacklist. The White House has accused China of blurring the line between military and civilian use of advanced semiconductors that can be used to power hypersonic missiles and other weapons. China's ambassador to the World Trade Organization accused the U.S. of violating WTO rules, adding, quote, clearly the United States is a unilateral lateralist and bullying hegemonist. The White House has wrapped up a three-day summit that brought 49 African leaders to Washington, D.C. The U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit came as the Biden administration seeks to counter the growing influence of Russia and China in Africa. On Thursday, President Biden pledged $55 billion to Africa over the next three years and said he'd seek to expand Africa's role in international politics. The United States fully supports reforming the UN Security Council to include permanent representation for Africa. And today I'm also calling for the African Union to join the G20 as a permanent member of the G20. 
Biden also said he and Vice President Kamala Harris will be going to Africa next year. We'll have more on the U.S. Africa Leaders Summit later in the broadcast. The Senate passed the $858 billion National Defense Authorization Act Thursday in an 83 to 11 vote, sending it to Biden's desk for his signature. The measure provides $45 billion more for the military than requested in Biden's budget. It scraps the Pentagon's vaccine mandate in a major concession to Republicans. It also earmarks billions of dollars in military aid for Ukraine and Taiwan. One provision not included in the NDAA is West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin's permitting reform, which was shot down for the third time this year in a victory for climate activists on the planet. The amendment, which would help fast-track fossil fuel and mining projects, failed to garner the 60 votes needed, despite President Biden coming out in support of the measure. The Climate Action Group 350.org blasted Biden's backing of Manchin's dirty deal, writing, we need to phase out fossil fuel projects swiftly and completely. That's the only way to move forward a just transition to an equitable, renewable energy future, they said. In Turkey, thousands of people flooded the streets of Istanbul Thursday to protest the conviction of the city's elected mayor on what his supporters say are trumped up charges. We came here today so we can continue to live in a country governed by the rule of law. We think the law has been violated. We came here to defend our rights and the votes of Istanbul residents. Istanbul Mayor Ekrem Imamoglu was found guilty Wednesday of insulting public officials and sentenced to two years and seven months in prison. He remains free pending appeal. If his conviction is upheld, he'll be removed as mayor and barred from running in next year's elections, where he's seen as a challenger to Turkey's authoritarian President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Spain's parliament has passed a landmark sexual and reproductive health law that guarantees people as young as 16 the right to voluntarily terminate a pregnancy in the nearest public hospital. The bill also guarantees access to sex education, free contraceptives, and menstrual hygiene products in high schools. It also provides paid medical leave for people suffering from painful menstrual cramps. Spain's equality minister, Irene Montero, championed the legislation. We are restoring the right of women between the ages of 16 and 18 to decide about their own bodies. And we also affirm that the state recognizes and respects the autonomy of women to decide, but we do not doubt their decisions. Here in the United States, three Senate Republicans last week blocked a bipartisan bill that sought to require basic workplace accommodations for pregnant people, including water bottles, a place to sit, or extra bathroom breaks. The bill passed with overwhelming support in the House. The Biden administration suing Arizona Republican Governor Doug Ducey over a state's illegal construction of a makeshift wall along the U.S.-Mexico border built with double-stacked shipping containers and razor wire. The complaint filed by the Justice Department demands Arizona halt construction and remove the barrier, which immigration and environmental advocates say is destroying precious biodiversity in the Sonoran Desert and putting the lives of asylum seekers at further risk as they attempt to cross the U.S. for refuge. Ducey has said his administration was trying to fill up the gaps in former President Trump's unfinished border wall. The lawsuit comes less than three weeks before Ducey leaves office January 2nd. 
Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott is calling on his state to investigate whether nonprofit humanitarian groups are helping asylum seekers cross into the U.S. In a letter to Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, Abbott claims without any evidence that humanitarian groups, quote, may be engaged in unlawfully orchestrating border crossings. Abbott has intensified his anti-immigrant hate speech as the Trump-era Title 42 pandemic policy that's blocked over 2 million migrants from seeking asylum in the U.S. is set to end next week. Abbott has also described the growing number of asylum seekers arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border as an invasion. In Michigan, three men convicted of providing material support in the 2020 plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer were sentenced Thursday to prison terms ranging from 7 to 12 years. Prosecutors say Paul Bellar, Joseph Morrison, and Pete Musico were part of the militia group Wolverine Watchmen, which planned to kill police and elected officials as well as kidnap the governor. The plot was hatched after then-President Trump urged supporters to, quote, liberate Michigan from coronavirus public health measures. Twitter suspended the accounts of over half a dozen journalists without warning after the social media site's new owner, billionaire Elon Musk, accused them of posting assassination coordinates for him and his family without providing any evidence. The reporters from CNN, The New York Times, The Washington Post, The Intercept and other outlets were suspended after Twitter changed its policy on, quote, sharing living location information. Many of the journalists had reported on the latest policy change and Musk's mounting crackdown on accounts he disagrees with. In a statement, CNN said, quote, Twitter's increasing instability and volatility should be of incredible concern for everyone who uses Twitter, CNN said. Texas lawmakers and grieving families of the victims of the mass shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde testified before the U.S. House Judiciary Committee Thursday, where they blasted Uvalde law enforcement over its botched response during the massacre and demanded federal gun reform. The hearing began with the sound of the gunfire that killed 19 students and their two teachers on May 24th. This is Faith Mata, whose 10-year-old sister Tess was killed that day. The days following the death of my sister, I took on the responsibilities and tasks that my parents could not bear to do. My parents should not have to plan their own child's funeral. So I felt the need to step in when they needed me the most. Our life has changed forever. It has darkened because our light has left. In Louisiana, five officers have been charged in the 2019 killing of Ronald Green, a black motorist who died after he was put in a chokehold, beaten and tased by Louisiana state police officers. The charges, which include one count of negligent homicide, come after years of organizing and protests. Authorities originally told Green's family he died due to injuries stemming from a crash, but body camera footage shows officers assaulting Green, who tells them, I'm scared. A Texas jury has found white former Fort Worth police officer Aaron Dean guilty of manslaughter for the fatal 2019 shooting of Tatiana Jefferson. 
Jefferson, a 28-year-old black woman, was shot and killed by Dean, who was responding to a wellness check requested by her neighbor, who noticed the home's front door had been left open. Jefferson was babysitting her 8-year-old nephew at her mother's home at the time. The young boy, now 11, testified at the trial and was asked about the moments after his aunt was shot. He told the courtroom, quote, I was thinking, is it a dream? And Minnesota Congress member Ilhan Omar is calling on President Joe Biden to commute the sentence of Daniel Hale, who's serving 45 months in a federal prison for leaking classified information about the U.S. drone and targeted assassination program. Hale pleaded guilty in March of 2021 to one count of violating the World War I-era Espionage Act. His lawyers say he sought to bring attention to, quote, immoral government conduct committed under the cloak of secrecy and contrary to public statements of then-President Obama regarding the alleged precision of the United States military drone program, unquote. On Thursday, Congress member Ilhan Omar said Biden should pardon Daniel Hale and set him free. Daniel's case is exactly what the pardon power is for, where the letter of the law cannot capture the complex moral judgment that human beings make in extraordinary circumstances. I take the prohibition on revealing classified information extremely seriously. But what Daniel did was courageous. What Daniel did was patriotic. What he did was public service. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. We begin today's show in Peru, where mass protests are intensifying following the ouster and jailing of President Pedro Castillo. According to the news agency EFE, at least nine protesters were curled Thursday, bringing the death toll to at least 17 over the past week. Many of those dead are teenagers. Police have attacked protesters with tear gas and live ammunition. On Thursday, a judicial panel ruled Castillo should remain locked up for 18 months of pretrial detention. The right-wing Peruvian Congress voted to remove Castillo on December 7th after he moved to temporarily dissolve the Peruvian Congress ahead of an impeachment vote. Castillo's vice president, Dina Boluarte, was quickly sworn in to replace him. On Wednesday, she announced a state of emergency across Peru. Protesters are demanding Castillo be returned to power. They have declared a state of emergency because they want to shut the voice of the people. But the people will keep protesting. We will keep fighting until the end for all our fallen brothers. The politicians giving the orders are responsible for this. We are furious, outraged with everything that is happening. That is why we are here, asking for Congress to close down and for the current president, Dina Borte, to resign. She doesn't represent us. Pedro Castillo is a left-leaning former teacher and union leader from rural Peru who was president for less than a year, a year and a half before his ouster. Last year, he defeated Keiko Fujimori, the daughter of Peru's former dictator, Alberto Fujimori. Protesters accused the Peruvian Congress of unfairly targeting Castillo ever since he defeated Fujimori. It is totally unfair. I hope the Peruvian people will rise and defend the popular vote. We elected him. The Peruvian people elected him. The Congress did not let him work. All Peruvians are aware of this. The Congress of the Republic never allowed President Pedro Castillo to work. 
The leaders of Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, and Bolivia have issued a joint statement to voice support for Castillo, calling him a victim of anti-democratic harassment. Meanwhile, the president-elect of Brazil, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, has taken a different stance, saying Castillo's removal from power was, quote, carried out within the constitutional framework. For more, we go to Lima, Peru, where we're joined by Eduardo Gonzalez Cueva. He's a Peruvian sociologist and human rights expert. Welcome to Democracy Now! It's great to have you with us. Can you just explain what's happening right now and give us a description of the lead up to why the president, Castillo, is now in jail with thousands surrounding the jail? Good morning, Amy. Uh, thank you for having me. A massacre. What's going on is a massacre. This is what is happening right now in Peru. On the one side, you have a massacre caused by the indolence of social elites in this country who believe that the life of a campesino is worth less than any other. It's caused by the incompetence of our political class, and I include in that Pedro Castillo and his enablers, who were always incapable of finding political solutions to political problems. And it's caused by the despair of the people who see that this uh, constitutional order does not represent their interests or their voices. That is what is happening. Uh, what is happening is a coup within a coup. Uh, Castillo did not have the law in his hand when he tried to dissolve parliament. But it is important to remember that he did not try to dissolve parliament only. He also announced that he would rule by decree and that he would also intervene the judiciary power. So the idea was a coup not just against Congress, which is an institution that is widely repudiated in the country, but also against the judiciary, which was investigating uh, his entourage for accusations of corruption that seemed to be quite serious at the moment. Um, so that was Castillo's attempt. Why did he do that? We will know at some point. Because the reality is that apparently the opposition did not have the votes to actually impeach him that day. Um, but, of course, that attempt of a coup, that tentative, was responded by a real coup. That is, Congress, with the law in its hand, actually proceeded to impeach Castillo immediately. It got the votes that it didn't have because even people from uh, parliamentary groups that supported Castillo voted to impeach him and then um, sworn in the vice president of Castillo's presidential formula, Dina Boluarte. And what has happened after that is that, of course, uh, we have had a situation in which the people reacted very quickly um, because of the agitation that obviously such a situation is going to cause. Castillo was not terribly popular. His uh, popularity, according to polls, was around 30%. Um, but Congress is even more unpopular. Congress approval, according to polls, is about 9%. So it was a fight between very illegitimate uh, political sectors. Now, what happened is that the repression with which the first protests um, is, is faced, uh, that is what causes an avalanche of protests and the complete incapability of the regime led by Mrs. Boluarte to actually find forms of solution with what the people are asking. What the people are asking are several different things, sometimes even contradictory among themselves. 
Some are calling for Castillo to be restituted in power. That's true. Some others are calling for new elections. I think that is the majority position right now. New elections means that Castillo would not be in power, that there would be a process to find a different political leadership. Um, other people are asking for Boluarte to resign. The problem is that if Boluarte resigns, since there are no longer more vice presidents, the presidency would fall on the head of Congress, which is massively hegemonized by the right wing. The head of Congress right now is a military man, a former military man, who is accused of a number of atrocities during the armed conflict in Peru uh, 30 years ago. So the situation is quite complicated. I don't think that anyone knows exactly where things are going. Uh, my hope as a Peruvian citizen, more than just as an observer or a, or a social scientist, my hope is that, first of all, the massacre has to be stopped that the state of emergency is lifted, that people are free to demonstrate, and that a process of dialogue starts so that we find what are the best routes ahead. But what is clear to me is that with the massacre that has been committed, the current government led by Mrs. Boluarte has lost all legitimacy. And I think also that the countries in our region, the governments in our region, should try to avoid um, fanning the flames. Honestly, the point right now is to ensure and invoke the authorities in this country to stop the repression and to let us Peruvians find the right way to actually solve the political crisis that started this repression. I want to turn to President Pedro Castillo speaking earlier this month before his impeachment. He accused lawmakers of trying to blow up democracy in Peru. Pretende. They intend to blow up democracy and disregard our people's right to choose, attacking the figure of the presidency of the republic in order to take advantage and seize the power that the people, tired of being left behind and seeing that a few people wanted to continue dividing up Peru, took from them at the polls. So that's the president who's currently jailed. Um, can you give us a thumbnail sketch of his history? Uh, go back to, I mean, this is the first political office he's held. Um, he is a teacher and a union leader. Tell us about his rise to power and why he speaks particularly to the marginalized in Peru. Castillo is the son of campesinos from the northern uh, region of Peru called Cajamarca. This is a region that was that has a very interesting and important story um, in our country. This is a region where the Spaniards first found, uh, first made the Incas. This is a region where the Spaniards started the massacres of the conquest, kill, uh, capturing the first uh, Inca that came in contact with them, Inca Atahualpa. And, uh, and, and so it's a, it's a region charged with meaning in Peru. This is also, also a region where the Shining Path was unable to enter because of the activity of basically community police, Rondas Campesinas. Castillo um, is a um, very symbolic representative from this region because of his social extraction. Now, politically, he did come from um, uh, some sort of a wildcat union, a union of teachers that rose against the majority union in that sector. Uh, he responded then to um, a very messy 
um, confrontation between leftist fractions trying to dominate the, uh, the union, the teachers' union. So, and, and he came to some kind of visibility because of a strike he led that was not just against the government, but against his own union. Um, so that visibility allowed him to be basically selected by a small um, left-wing political party to be the presidential candidate. They did not expect actually to win. The members of that party have been clear about the history of the elections, but they did. They did win. Um, reflecting what was clearly the fury of the population about the, um, the situation in which we lived in, the fact that we were coming after two years of pandemics, uh, the fact that this was a country where um, per capita more people died in the pandemic than anywhere else in the world. And so he won. Uh, he entered into the uh, second round. We have a two-round system here. Uh, because uh, the field was incredibly dispersed. He won the first round with only 16% of the vote. The second person in that election, Keiko Fujimori, uh, got second with 13% of the vote. So the two first presidential formulas got in total less than half of the vote. And with those credentials, they got into the second round. So it was a weak presidency, presidency to start with. Uh, it did not have a majority in Congress. It did have as a respectable uh, parliamentary group in terms of size. It controlled about one third of Congress. But the reality is that um, in this time disputes within his party between the different fractions of the left had led very soon to the dispersion of the bloc that protected and defended him. And Castillo, during his tenure, did not demonstrate a lot of political reflects, uh, reflex either. He uh, named uh, ministers that had uh, serious questions around them, um, ministers and advisors who actually, after being accused of corruption, turned on him immediately. Uh, some of the impeachment attempts have emerged because people who were named by Castillo as secretaries or advisors or, or people in his entourage came to the prosecutors to accuse Castillo in order to clean themselves up. So Castillo never demonstrated uh, either uh, a lot of, of, of political leadership or capacity. The reality is that he was a bad president, simple as that. Of course, he never had a chance because the right wing and the press that the right wing completely dominates here um, um, took all the uh, possible accusations against him, even some that were incredibly frivolous. So we had a situation of an impasse that, that lasted what it has lasted. And um, at some point, there was going to be an attempt to break that impasse. It is unfortunate that Castillo started it. Um, that is, that Castillo made the first move. If Congress had actually impeached him, I think that we, have, we would have seen this, but Castillo would have been in the right. And the problem is that uh, Castillo basically squandered the little legitimacy he had by trying to dissolve not just Congress, but as I have said, also the judiciary. So um, Castillo is a complicated character. Um, he is probably, uh, there is a, a, a distance between what he is as a person 
and the signal that he has become for many people. Um, the people of Peru does see in him a number of things that are important, significant, as a, a, a son of campesinos that gets to the first position in the country. But at the same time, he personally has demonstrated to me, regrettably, deeply flawed. Well, on Thursday, relatives of the ousted president uh, visited him in jail. He's in a jail in the foothills of the Andes. His niece, Vilma Castillo, said he's not doing well. His hands started shaking. His face was shaking, and we bought him pills. This is my family. This is my mother. This is my aunt. And over here is my other aunt. This is the family of President Castillo. We want the press to see our reality, how we live, where we live, the life we lead. So that they don't point a finger at us saying that we are the nephews, the corrupt nephews, the millionaire nephews. The niece of the jailed president, Pedro Castillo. Um, if you could talk about this scene in uh, at the base of the Andes of this jail with a thousand people camped outside, uh, Peruvians from all over Peru and outside flying in. So um, there are a number of demonstrations. Some of them are happening in front of the uh, police station where Castillo is arrested, together with Alberto Fujimori, by the way. Um, now, I have the impression that these demonstrations are no longer about Castillo. And the demonstrations in front of this police station, of this police base, are not as significant as the demonstrations that we are seeing elsewhere in Lima. The demonstrations yesterday, which were called by the Union Federations, were quite large. And the reality is, as I said uh, before, that the protests and the uh, demands that the people are expressing are not necessarily now linked only to Castillo and the situation. People are already calling for new elections, anticipated elections, and also um, for a constitutional assembly or the way toward a constitutional assembly. What exactly would be the way towards that? That's, uh, that's another thing. But um, I think it's important, Amy, and at least this will be my uh, position, my uh, honest assessment of the situation, that this is no longer about Castillo personally, that this is about um, uh, the people of Peru who do not see themselves represented in this political system and are calling for a very radical change. Um, the leaders of Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, and Bolivia have issued a joint statement to voice support for Castillo, calling him a victim of anti-democratic harassment. At a news conference Tuesday, the Mexican president, AMLO, Andres Manuel López Obrador, said Castillo should have never been removed from office. This is not interference that originates from above, from the so-called political elite, the economic interests, and the media. They are the ones that cause this instability that harms Peruvian people. The recognition of Pedro Castillo as president of Peru has nothing to do with our foreign policy. What the agreement states is that the will of the people who elected him must be respected, recognize he won dramatically and cannot be removed. 
Now, this Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Meanwhile, the president-elect of Brazil, Lula, Luis Inácio Lula da Silva, has taken a different stance, saying Castillo's removal from power was, quote, carried out within the constitutional framework. And Chilean President Gabriel Boric has also recognized Peru's new president, uh, Dina Baluarte, the vice president under Castillo. Um, as we begin to wrap up, what this means for Latin America and this divided response, Eduardo? Well, first of all, I would like to say that Peru is quite different from other countries in Latin America. This is not Honduras, this is not Bolivia, this is not Colombia, this is not Chile, this is not Brazil. And I really, as a Peruvian, highly resent when the agency of Peruvians and the particularities of our country are reduced to a certain preset narrative. Be that the narrative that the right-wing uses of a country supposedly in the hands of a rabid communist, or the narrative that behind everything there is some kind of um, imperialist or right-wing complot against an immaculate uh, representative of the people. The reality is quite different and quite more complex than that. I hoped that the presidents of the countries in Latin America focus first of all in the human rights crisis, in the humanitarian crisis, which are not internal affairs. Talking about the fact that there are 17, 18, 20 people killed already, that is the point where they should be focusing on, rather than the recognition of who is the actual president or what was exactly the, uh, the events that led to this situation. Um, I do think that actually we should go reflectively beyond the immediate political reflex of looking at what was the presumable political tendency of the people who lost power or the people who has power right now. It should be, uh, the president should be looking at the situation in the terrain and the suffering of the Peruvian people and express their solidarity, first of all, with the Peruvian people. Eduardo gonzalez Cueva, we want to thank you so much for being with us. Peruvian sociologist, human rights expert, speaking to us from Lima, Peru. Next up, we'll look at the U.S. Africa Leaders Summit that brought together 49 African leaders in Washington, D.C. this week. Stay with us. Now.org, the War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. President Biden's just wrapped up a three day summit in Washington with leaders from 49 African nations. The U.S. Africa Leaders Summit was held as the U.S. is trying to counter the growing influence of China and Russia in Africa. During the summit, President Biden pledged $55 billion to Africa over the next three years. 
we plan to commit $55 billion in Africa. That number represents a comprehensive commitment from the United States to invest in Africa's people, Africa's infrastructure, Africa's agriculture, Africa's health system, Africa's security, and more. President Biden also announced that he and Vice President Kamala Harris will visit Sub-Saharan Africa next year for the first time as president and vice president. He expressed support for the African Union to join the G20 and for Africa to have permanent representation on the UN Security Council. Senegalese President Macky Sall, who is the current chair of the African Union, refused to rule out also working with Russia and China, but welcomed Biden's pledges. We share the same spirit. We want to advance our common agenda with you and take our partnership to the next level in an inclusive approach, bringing together governments, the private sector, civil society, and the African diaspora. To talk more about the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit, we're joined by Amira Wood. She is executive director of the Green Leadership Trust, a network of black, brown, and indigenous people on boards of environmental organizations and philanthropies. Amira Woods is also an ambassador for Africans Rising for Justice, Peace, and Dignity, originally from Liberia. Amira, thanks so much for joining us again on Democracy Now! Talk about the significance of this three-day summit, what surprised you, what came out of this, uh, and the relationship between the United States and these African nations that were there and those that were not invited. Well, Amy, it's always a joy to be with you. Thank you so much for having space for this conversation. I would say, you know, the summit, it comes after four dismal years of the Trump administration where, where the former president was lit literally calling African countries, you know, derogatory terms, S-hold countries, right? I mean, uh, the, 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 the just shocking um, abuse um, um, that came out of that administration. So when you, when you see a summit like this, yes, it's very much a photo op, right? But it's a photo op coming after this period when, quite frankly, it's, it's being welcomed. I think we have to then look beyond the photo op to recognize that, you know, Africa is still very much, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican administration, it's still very much seen uh, in the lens of geopolitics, but also in the lens of, of, of this resource war, right? I think what we have we have to pull back the lens. Historically, um, African resources have driven the global economy. Whether it is the, um, you know, the, the the cola that goes into Coca-Cola, or, or or the uranium that was from Democratic Republic of the Congo that was used for the uranium bomb dropped on Hiroshima, there is a long history of Africa's resources being used by the global economy, being used, quite frankly, to create the industrialization that we see in, in Europe, in the U.S., it is the resources of Africa that drove that industrialization, yet, yet Africa did not benefit. And so what we see is that a global economy that is deeply unjust almost marginalizes, continues to marginalize uh, Africa and the African world and people of African descent all over the world. It is a deeply kind of racist, uh, capitalist, extractive system that has, quite frankly, destroyed the planet, leading to climate change, global warming, disasters all over the planet. 
And what you see is that people on whose land those resources lie continue to be rendered invisible. So whether it is China or Russia or the United States, the story is the same. The extraction at the expense of communities, at the expense particularly of, of, uh, of women, children, and people who are desperately seeking a healthy, brighter future. Let's turn to U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin speaking to the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit. So regarding Russia and China, you know, the PRC, we're witnessing the PRC expand its footprint uh, in the, on, on the continent uh, on a daily basis as they do that. They're also expanding their economic influence. The troubling piece there is that they're not always transparent in, in terms of what they're doing, and uh, and that creates uh, problems that will be eventually uh, destabilizing if they're not already. Um, in turning to Russia, uh, we see Russia continuing to peddle uh, cheap weapons. Uh, some of that was mentioned uh, before by one of our, our senior leaders here. Uh, and also, um, we see Russia employing mercenaries across the continent, and, and that is destabilizing as well. So if you, Mayor Woods, can respond to this, I mean, China's Belt and Road Initiative, the difference between how China and Russia deal with Africa, and I mean, the number of just U.S. military bases in Africa alone, and how uh, Biden is trying to deal with uh, countering Chinese-Russian influence. So let's remember, Amy, that 90% of U.S. trade with Africa is in oil, gas, and mining. It's in the extractive resources. And it is in those areas where the resources lie that there has always been military interest. And this is from colonial days days to the neocolonial days, and regardless of the country, U.S., China, Russia, the military follows the, uh, the, 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 the companies, right, the multinational corporations that are interested in extracting those resources. So what you have had is an African continent where it is almost, uh, you know, this geopolitical nightmare. They pick one country, Somalia, let's say, right? Somalia throughout the Cold War went from the USSR to the U.S. almost trading, um, uh, you know, trading their 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 uh, opportunities to dump weapons, particularly into Somalia, making Somalia incredibly ungovernable. We have to recognize that it is the interests in in resources, whether it's the uranium in in, in the northern parts of, of Somalia or the strategic positioning of Somalia in, in in an area where the straits where where the global trade flows. It is the centrality of these countries that makes um, the global political battles uh, more intense. So what you have had um, is the U.S. for the last 10 years expanding, actually, its military might in Africa, expanding the use of drones in places uh, like Somalia, um, where you have seen uh, untold deaths of, of civilians with the increased use of these drones. But essentially, it's, it's the U.S. picking and choosing where to send uh, and build military machineries that are then unleashed against the people. So in the case of Somalia, it was the U.S. drones, but the U.S. also um, funneling weapons to Ethiopia for a ground war in, in Somalia, and it, again, militarizing a region that uh, uh, is, is already, it's what you see, the U.S. expanding its, um, its efforts to add to the conflict, to add to the chaos in an interest to, to, to be able to
with increasing military expansion from China, increasing military expansion from Russia. And in each of those cases, it is both the uniformed officers as well as the, the mercenaries, right? It is the U.S. military contractors, the, the, the increasing U.S. Um, security and civilians, whether it's the Sahel um, or, or the Horn or throughout the continent, these relationships are being deepened. And so, so what you have is a, a real, a continued push um, by mostly fossil fuel driven industries interested in extraction. You have militaries then supporting those very narrowly defined quote unquote national interests. Um, and, and you have a continuation of, of relationships um, that are propping up those who are, are seeking to to, to, to open up channels for the resources to flow. I want to go to President of the Democratic Republic of Congo, Felix Chisichetti, who addressed the issue of climate change at the summit. Since we are gathered here to speak about fighting against climate change, if you will allow me, I would like to first speak with regret to let you know about the crisis that my country, that my country has lived through the first few hours through floods and the delusion rains because of the climate crisis that has caused hundreds of deaths, as well as enormous material damages that could have been avoided if the commitments of the polluting countries would have been held, would have been kept for the past few years. So it is imperious, it is necessary. So that's DRC President Shisekedi. Um, Amira, like democracy now, you were in Sharm el-Sheikh at the UN Climate Summit in Egypt. Um, if you can talk about the issue of that was the subject of the summit, a loss and damage, the U.S. pushing hard against it, don't want the liability, even though it's historically the largest greenhouse gas emitter in the world. Um, but what it means for Africa Clearly, Amy, what we see around the world, but particularly in Africa, is that those who do not, did not contribute to the climate crisis are paying the heaviest cost. So it is black, brown, indigenous people around the world that are bearing the cost, right? So remember, when we talk about Africa, the resources were extracted to industrialize the, the European continent, to industrialize the US. And those resources were extracted at the expense of communities where those resources lie. And so what you have seen is incredible climate change, global warming, the repercussions, the impacts on those communities, on their health, on their opportunity to, to live healthy lives is disastrous. So we have seen increases in, in floods, increases in heat waves and throughout the world. And it is these deeply racist, structural, um, global economic decisions that are creating an unjust trading system, creating still the, the, the expansion in, in fossil fuels, oil and gas, and mining, destroying communities. In the case of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, it's the best example. There are in the, the rainforest of the DRC um, peatlands that are actually opportunities for nature-based solutions to the climate crisis. These were solutions that indigenous people, community-based um, uh, people who know the land have been putting forward. So I think we've got to recognize when we talk about climate change, those who have paid the heaviest price are also those who have solutions and must be in the decision making. And we saw it in Shamash Sheikh. It was the fossil fuel lobbyists that outnumbered a 
those all delegations there in Egypt. And I think we've got to begin to, to recognize that we will continue to have a path of destruction of the planet unless we, we, we change these structural systems that oppress communities. So the solutions are there. When it comes to loss and damage, the solution has been really clear. There must be reparations, right? Justice, centering justice in our global economy, understanding that those who have paid the heaviest price have also borne the cost. And there should be opportunities where, where there is investment in a just transition for the future, in renewable energy that is community-based, in opportunities to actually bring forward innovative financing, right? So there's a lot of discussion of, of um, special drawing rights from the World Bank and the IMF to innovative, um, to find solutions that would actually move resources towards the just transition, towards a, a, a global Green New Deal, not only for Africa, but for the world. And, and we, only have, we only have a minute, and I wanted to quickly ask you, uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris, their trip to sub-Saharan Africa will be the first uh, since President Obama. I was wondering if in a minute you could reflect on Obama's legacy in Africa, but particularly look at the 2011 attack on Libya and the effect that had on the continent. Once again, we've got to look at the issues of fossil fuel industries and militarism. That was the case in Libya, whether it's for the Obama administration or now for the Biden administration and future administrations. It is getting rid of the power of the fossil fuel industry that will put us on a path that not only protects the planet, but protects communities. So when we look at the Obama administration, we have to think about the expansion of, of Africa on the U.S. Africa Command, which was established, quite frankly, you know, um, and, and its first act was in Libya. And I think we've got to recognize that um, with the expansion of militaries, there will be continuous both political and economic chaos. We have seen the implications of the, of the crisis in Libya, the ouster of, of Gaddafi, under the Obama administration has led to disastrous results, not only for Libya, um, but for um, for the entire region, particularly the neighboring countries and, and even countries as, as uh, uh, far off as, as Mali, where coups were being um, organized by those who carried guns supplied by the U.S. and Libya across borders into other states. So we've got to stop the flow of militarism. We've got to understand the links of militarism to the fossil fuel crisis, to the climate crisis. We've got to begin to, to create other opportunities where um, fossil fuel companies are taxed and we look at opportunities to, to actually cap um, the flow of these harmful um, uh, fossil fuels into our global economy. And we've got to look at all of these opportunities to change global governance so that those particularly black, brown, and indigenous people have the opportunity for what you said at the beginning of this show in Puerto Rico, self-determination. This is the cry across the planet, self-determination of people. Amira Woods, I want to thank you so much for being with us, Executive Director of the Green Leadership Trust, also Ambassador for Africans Rising for Justice, Peace, and Dignity, originally from Liberia. Coming up, we look at why the White House pressured Senator Sanders to withdraw a resolution to end U.S. support for the Saudi-led war in Yemen. Stay with us. <laughs>
Baobab in honor of the Pan-Africanist revolutionary Amilcar Cabral. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. As we turn now to the crisis in Yemen, a new UNICEF report finds over 11,000 children have been killed or injured in the U.S.-backed Saudi-led war in Yemen since 2015. A six-month ceasefire between warring parties expired in October. Meanwhile... Senator Bernie Sanders withdrew an expected vote on his Yemen war powers resolution Tuesday night after coming under pressure from the White House. He said he'd bring the resolution back if they could not reach an agreement on ending U.S. support for the war. We go now to Shireen Al-Adimi, a Yemeni-American assistant professor at Michigan State University, non-resident fellow at the Quincy Institute. It's great to have you with us. Can you respond to what took place this week, what you think needs to happen in Yemen right now? Thanks so much for having me, Amy. Um, so really, this is a combination of years of trying to work with the administration to end their war in Yemen, support for the war in Yemen. Um, as you recall, President Biden was uh, very adamant about ending U.S. involvement when he took office, uh, except that he didn't really you know, fulfill this promise and his obligation to end the war. Um, since the Biden administration took office, they've been kind of um, operating under the assumption that whatever support they're providing the Saudis is off is defensive and not offensive, but they never really clarified to Congress what this means. And so we've been trying to work to try to push another war powers resolution, which, as you recall, um, did pass when this war was seen as Trump's war in 2019. It passed Congress in a bipartisan uh, way, and it was vetoed by Trump. And so the idea here was that to say to the Biden administration that if you're serious about ending this war, end it. If not, here's this bill that would reassert Congress's authority to declare war, which they haven't, and to end all forms of U.S. support, which currently include, you know, logistics and intelligence and spare parts and maintenance. So it's changed since 2019, but they still continue to provide the Saudi-led coalition with various forms of military support, including also training of pilots and soldiers and whatnot. Um, so, you know, it's essential. And although there's, um, you know, things have changed in this past year with a truce that lasted for a few months and then ended, and there hasn't been any Saudi-led airstrikes since April, the situation on the ground is so volatile that this war powers resolution is absolutely essential to make sure that if there was a resumption of airstrikes, then the U.S. would not continue to support the Saudi-led coalition in whatever way they needed, just as they had been doing over the last almost eight years. We spoke to Ryan Grimm, the Intercepts DC uh, correspondent, and um, it was right before Senator Sanders withdrew his resolution. And he said Sanders never expected it to pass, but if like 40 Democratic senators supported it, it would be a sign to MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, that he'd be in trouble if he broke the ceasefire, even if it has expired. So what does it mean that it's been withdrawn? So I'm not quite sure if we would have had the votes or not. Um, I mean, it's it's really surprising because, um, like I said, many of the people in Biden's administration, people like Samantha Power and Jake Sullivan back in 2019, were saying that we really, we really should end this war and we really should try to pass this w, uh, WPR, even though they supported the war efforts during the Obama administration. But they're silent now, and we have Democrats who have uh, essentially taken on the same position. Uh, but we still had a, an opportunity to to pass this, and I understand that Senator Sanders started to get pressure from the White House, who threatened to veto the bill. So 
President Biden essentially was threatening to veto the bill, even though he's been saying for the last couple of years that he wants to end U.S. involvement in the war. So the fact that he withdrew it, I think is, um, you know, it's, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed by this outcome. Uh, I think the effort, effort put forth by you know, anti-war coalition over the last couple of years has been um, definitely the right strategy to try to push for this WPR. The WPR is one of many legal strategies. The War Powers Resolution. Yes, the War Powers Resolution is one of many legal strategies to try to end U.S. involvement in the war. Um, but, you know, here we are now in, in December and, uh, you know, we're going to have a Republican-controlled House next year, and I'm not quite sure how we are going to try to pass this again, but it would have certainly centered Yemen again into the conversation, which has been put on the back burner since essentially the war in Ukraine. You know, it's easy to blame another entity for their attack on a sovereign country like Ukraine, and yet in the case of Yemen, it's really the opposite. You know, Saudi Arabia attacked uh, Yemen, a sovereign country, and the entire world went to support them and continue to support them, um, despite the unequal balance of power, this asymmetrical warfare, and the immense casualties on humanitarian, on Yemeni lives over the last several years. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people who are starving to death, who have starved to death already, or have been killed by the violence. Millions of people who still rely on aid. The blockade is still in effect, although uh, parts of it have been partially lifted. You know, Yemenis still continue to suffer despite the ceasefire um, because, you know, bombs weren't killing most people. The blockade has been killing most people and continues to kill most people in Yemen. Saudi Arabia has not suffered the consequences of this war. They've been engaging in this war in Yemen. Uh, Them and the UAE have been occupying parts of Yemen and using its resources. And yet here in the U.S., um, we're not able to, you know, face our own complicity after all of these years, we're not able to say, well, we really should not be engaging in these war crimes. You know, Senator Murphy and Senator Sanders spoke on the floor and they talked about any form of U.S. support is not acceptable. Any any form, whether it's intelligence sharing or logistics training or, you know, uh, weapon deals, none of this should be happening. And yet here we are all of these years later, unable to come to the conclusion that we really should be ending U.S. complicity. Um, you know, this is the bare minimum that we can do and we're not there yet. Shireen Aladimi, we want to thank you so much for being with us. Yemeni American Assistant Professor at Michigan State University, non-resident fellow at the Quincy Institute. That does it for our show. A very happy birthday to Renee Feltz. Democracy now produced with Renee Feltz, Mike Burke, Dina Geister, Messiah Rhodes, Marie Shea, Maria Tarasenko. Shireen and Thank you, Free Speech TV family. Thanks to viewers like you, we met our winner pledge drive goal. We couldn't do any of this without you. Thank you for supporting all of your favorite programs. And for helping us amplify new voices. Together, there's nothing we can't do. Your support means everything. Thank you for being a part of our community.
the hour. It's opening night for Christmas at Belmont at the Fisher Center for Performing Arts. Join with the students and faculty of Belmont University School of Music as we celebrate Christmas at Belmont. Christmas at Belmont is provided by My father, the late Jack C. Massey, would be proud to know that the foundation bearing his name is making it possible for Christmas at Belmont to lift the spirits of families all across America. Merry Christmas! <laughs> funding provided by Marty and Betty Dickens and by Sigma Actuarial Consulting Group. Once again, the Christmas season comes alive in Nashville and holiday splendor comes alive with one of Music City's most cherished events, Christmas at Belmont. Tonight, nearly 600 student musicians from the Belmont University School of Music perform at the Fisher Center for Performing Arts to celebrate this magical season. Welcome to Christmas at Belmont.
marks the 10th season of Christmas at Belmont for public media. Over the years, this spectacular holiday concert has featured a variety of legendary stars, from Brenda Lee, Cece Wyans, and Michael W. Smith, and Belmont alumni Tricia Yearwood and Melinda Doolittle. But the real stars have always been the talented Belmont students, who each year deliver inspired performances of holiday cheer. At Belmont, Students study a variety of musical styles leading to many degrees and career paths, including performance, composition, music therapy, and music education, right in the heart of Music City. Or pursue songwriting, audio engineering, and music business, right down the street from the labels, publishers, and promoters on world-famous Music Road. Belmont offers a creative campus community in one of the most arts vibrant cities in America, Nashville, Tennessee, where students are pursuing their dreams in the performing arts, visual arts, 
and many other fields of study. Another star of this 10th season of Christmas at Belmont, the Fisher Center for Performing Arts, which officially opens with tonight's performance. With this new venue, Belmont students now have a world-class performance hall that will let their talent truly shine. Fashioned after traditional European opera houses, this facility features unrivaled acoustical and theatrical capabilities. It reflects Belmont's commitment to the arts and will offer students a unique learning and performing environment. Tonight, it's about the music and Christmas. Let's see what these amazingly talented students have in store for us next. Back to the Fisher Center stage.
structure there that they built since the last time. And um, during the break, our, our sister Margie, she was talking about Nashville, Tennessee. This was out of Nashville, Tennessee. Last year it was out of Minnesota. I'm just saying. Um, Noel. <laughs> All right. And... Um, I'm going to pass this talking stick, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, to an angel here of our own here. Uh, Rainbird, are you there? Calling? I'm here. Uh, you got a chorus of angels with you right tonight. Here it comes. Okay. <laughs> I'll take that carton of angels. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you really know how to wake somebody up at 2.30 in the morning. Wow. <laughs> Get up and sing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so thank you that. for that. Yes. <laughs> I, actually, I figured out I've been up for 21 hours and I'm not even tired. Oh, that's a good sign. <laughs> and you'll I be know. Out, you'll be out of the, like a light and you'll get a real deep sleep and you'll be ready to go for another 21 hours. What can I say? Well, I don't know. Not for that jazzy dose of... <laughs> <laughs> it was 
It was it it woke me up. I'll, I'll tell you that. Early, that was really good. Starting at least thirty minutes ago, you had it going. <laughs> <laughs> so well, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that, everything, and uh, and for mother coming in and just it was a lovely evening. So lots of gratitude. Thank you so much, Yeah. So thank you very much. And we get to do this some more later this afternoon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if I, I might get to sleep. I absolutely yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I pass this talking stick over to you, Robin, unless it's too late to do that. Oh, okay. he's got five minutes. That'll be a good topper here. Uh, all right, we're all in here. I think we got the juice. How about it, Rama? Okay. Thank you, Rainbird. Thank you, everyone. Thank everyone. And thank you, BBS Radio, for being there in this way for us to celebrate. And this is and happy birthday, too. Oh, yeah. Well, it's very, yes. Uh, well, I, I'll tell happy birthday tomorrow, too, but I'm just doing it tonight. <laughs> That's right, Don and Doug's birthday. That is the it's the seventeenth or is it the eighteenth? It's the eighteenth. Uh, it's the eighteenth. You're right. <clears throat> wow. All right. Hope that woke you up over there, wherever you are. Here we go, Rama. What you got here? It's as hot as talking stick is yours now. This is Anya, Journey of the Angels. Enya, Journey of the Angels, everybody.
everyone let the angels sing in our hearts now it's only up from here much love everyone and sweet dreams the Christ is born again in all of us <laughs> sat down sat down gee Yes, and 13 thank yous, honey in the heart, no evil. Live long and prosper. Only peace, everyone. Only peace. <laughs>